Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. As Pastor Joel continues his study in the book of Genesis, we're in Genesis chapter 11 with a message entitled, The Tower of Babel. We start off this week's message with a reading from chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore the name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And now, here is this week's message, The Tower of Babel. Well, we see that the people are all unified, one language, uh, and it seems like a really good thing that they're all unified. Wouldn't we love some unity in our world? Well, unless that unity is towards a very evil end. And so God comes down and limits them from how evil that they could actually be. It's really a a gift in the the limitations that he has. Uh, In in this whole passage, we're going to see that God's really concerned about his glory. As man wants to boast in, in his glory, God says, no, it's, it's all about me and my, my glory. Well, before we look at the text, I actually want to do uh, something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I want to teach you a Slovene phrase. We were missionaries in Slovenia, and uh, how many of you speak Slovene? Okay, so I'm gonna, I want to teach you a Slovene uh, phrase, uh, and it's very simple, and it's going to help us as we go through our sermon today, kind of give us a direction uh, for it. So it's just two words, uh, and, the, and it's Slava Bogu, Slava Bogu. Let me say it, Slava Bogu, Slava Bogu. Now say Slava Bogu. Hey, you guys sound like a great church. Do you know what that means? No. So, Slava Bogu. Slava means glory or praise. Slava. And Bog is the word for God. And if you put it in the third case, it's a dative case, which means a direction or two. So, so Bog and to God is Bogu. So, anyway, you don't need to know any of that. You just need to know Slava is, is glory or praise. Bogu is to God. Slava Bogu. Hey, glory to God. You know, when I first learned this phrase, uh, I heard it over and over again, and it was almost always in a context just like this. Uh, we were in church, and as people would be praying in Slovene, I would hear the term Slava Bogu. 
Uh, when we sang songs, we would sing about the slava of God, slava bogu. We'd sing slava gospodu, glory to the Lord. Uh, we'd sing songs like slavimote, which means I glorify you. Slava, slava bogu. One more time, slava bogu. Slava bogu. Yeah, it has a weight to it. Uh, in Slovene. It, it's a very uh, worshipful phrase that when you say. But over the last three weeks, I've actually heard this word and seen this word uh, front and center in our news, Slava. Uh, if you read any newspapers or you see, like, why is Russia doing what it's doing? Uh, you'll, you could see newspaper articles uh, like the New York Times and uh, these other world things. There's a couple articles up there, Elijah, if you can put those up. Uh, it's all about Putin wanting to return the glory of the old Soviet Union. It's all about him and getting glory back uh, uh, for a man and a nation. And, and we see the destruction that it's causing as man wants to bring glory to uh, himself. The response the man seeking glory is only one response is, is adequate, is to bring glory to God. Slava Bogu. Well, now, on the other side of things, uh, you might have heard this uh, quite often, too, because I've heard it a, t a ton. Uh, the president of the Ukraine, Zelensky, uh, at the end of all of his speeches, or if he's interviewing any of these Ukraines, they have a little tagline at the end. And so now that I'm teaching you this, as you watch the news this next week, you'll, you'll be reminded of this over and over. Because at the end of uh, Zelensky's speeches, he always ends with this, Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini. You know what that means? Oh man, you guys speak Ukraine. Uh, Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini. It means glory to Ukraine. But it's, uh, it means that, but it's actually used in a kind of a, a funny way too, because Russians and Ukrainians, they're very similar and you can't tell them apart very well. So as they were fighting over the centuries, there was a phrase like a code word and you would say, Slava Ukraini. And if they were Ukraine, they would answer back, Slava to the heroes. Slava Heroimi. So you say, Slava Ukraini, Slava Heroimi. Okay, they're, you're, they're Ukrainian. Well, the Russians didn't like this. So they actually outlawed this phrase, Slava Ukraini. You may no longer say this phrase, Slava Ukraini. And so now that the Ukrainians are fighting back, one of the things they're doing is they're going, Slava Ukraini, which means glory to Ukraine, but it also means I'm putting a thumb right in your face, Russia. Um, well, as we turn back to our text and think about that, we're going to see that when humanity seeks its own glory, when nations rise up to establish their name and their power and their might, it only leaves the brokenness and isolation and hurt that we see in our world today. And it's only in giving glory to God will you truly find peace, fulfillment, meaning, goodness, wholeness. It's only in glorifying God. And you might be thinking here this morning, well, what is... <laughs> How, how does God going to get any kind of good from what's going on in the Ukraine? How, how is goodness happening uh, in that area of the world? Or maybe just even personally, how, how, how can I find goodness in my own life with this mess that I'm in? Where is the peace in all this? Well, we're, as we come back to our text, we're, gonna, we're going to look and, and see where this goodness comes from. Let's look back in Genesis 11. We'll see how God can use even the brokenness of our world to bring about his glory, and his glory is, is tied to our good. 
We, we can't find our good without finding his glory, our glory, or his glory, our good. Well, last week we looked through Genesis 10 just quickly, and it's a long genealogy. It was pretty, pretty boring, and, but it really ends and says there's these three sons of Noah and the whole world dispersed from them. So the, the table of nations, so where all the nations come from, are from Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now at the end of each of these lines, they'll go through each line a, a certain, uh, to a certain extent, and it would conclude each... each uh, son with this kind of phrase, or, or it's at least a generality of it. And it, and it would be like, uh, the people spread in the lands, each with his own language, each with his own language. We, see, we can see that in verses uh, 5, 20, and verse uh, 31. The people spread in the land, each with his own language. And if we're reading along, you might be wondering, well, where, uh, <laughs> where do these languages come from that they're talking about? Well, chapter 11 starts off really going back. That's what most commentaries believe, going back and picking up the story of where do these languages come from. Uh, was it this, uh, at the time of Nimrod when he built the city? Was it at the time of Peleg when the nations uh, divided? It, it's not exactly clear, but we do know uh, that people are spreading through these languages, and now we're saying, where do these languages come from? So verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1, the whole earth was communicating in the same language, and the literal word there is lip, and word, or vocabulary. They're, they're communicating in uh, the same like accent and the same vocabulary. Uh, like, it, there, was there was no miscommunicating. It wasn't like a southerner and a guy from Boston who were speaking to each other, and they don't understand. Like, what exactly are you saying? No, this is like everyone speaks English in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest accent, right? Because we all speak with no accent here. Is right? That's what I've heard. Uh, everyone speaks in Pacific Northwest accent, and everyone just perfectly communicates uh, well together. Well, that's not really uh, what it is. Uh, there's this language that the people had at that time that was actually very powerful. It was beautiful. It was creative. And it had the ability to, to express your plans and your desires, your heart, perfectly. It was a really, it was really a gift to the people. There was never a time at that period of time that someone would say, ah, I just don't know how to say it. Or, man, I wish I could communicate what I'm feeling to you. Because the words, the language, the accent, everything just allowed for this perfect communication. Just imagine that between a husband and a wife. A husband tells his wife something and she perfectly understands. <laughs> a, a wife says something to her husband. And he doesn't just understand and hear, he like feels it. He knows, oh, I know what you're saying. There, there's this connection that, that's happening in there. A gift to be able to fully be known and to know someone else without limits and boundaries. It's a really gift. Well, a gift unless you use it for evil. Right? Unless it's towards the end desire of harm and brokenness. And then there's like no end to what you can do. And that's what we find in Genesis 11. The people are all talking, communicating in one way, but it's all towards this evil bent. 
We find them not on a mountain, as we've been seeing this cycle in Genesis. They start on a mountain with an altar praising the Lord and end up down in the valley and then back up to the mountain. And now we find the people in Genesis 11 in a plain. They're not on the mountain anymore. They're on a plane and they're communicating to each other these desires and they're communicating perfectly. And there's three desires that I want to point out that they're communicating. Three things they want to, they want to do together towards this end. And it all begins with the same thing. Let us make. If you're reading in Genesis, those words, they echo from Genesis 1, don't they? Let us make. Here are the three things they say they, they desire. Let us make bricks. There's this means, this production, this industrious thing that they want to do. Let us make bricks in verse 3. In verse 4, it says, let us build a city and a tower. It's really all in kind of one, one thing. We just think of the tower, but it's actually this, the city that goes along with it, and we'll see why that is. And then verse 4, there's another let us. Let us make a name for ourselves. And this covers the whole desire thing, doesn't it? Uh, the whole desire, the whole motive behind what they want to do is for their own glory, their own power and, and might. Well, as you read this, your first thing is like, well, God must not like us to be industrious or productive. He doesn't want us to build things. Well, that's not the case at all. It's all covered over in that last desire of the motive. Actually, if you're a builder, build. We need that. But build for the glory of God. Slava Bogu. Hey, so good. Okay, first thing they want to do is make bricks. Let's just talk a little bit about this. This making bricks, not necessarily a bad thing as they make these bricks, but these bricks ended up distracting them from the mission of what they were supposed to do. Uh, they, they started making, producing all of these bricks and forgot what God had called them to do. They got uh, comfortable. They started being productive and, and, and uh, industrious and look at what we are Look at what we're doing. And so all of a sudden, they're on, it's a very warning. They're on this journey to, to trade bricks for the calling that God had on their lives. We can make 10,000 bricks and completely waste your, your life. They forgot the calling that God had. And it's over and over. We see in Genesis even already. He gives them this calling and they're on the mountain. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But rather they said, rather than doing that, rather than listening to the Lord and, and doing what God's calling us to do, let's make bricks. And look at how good these bricks are. It serves as a warning for all of us too. We, don't, we shouldn't get so busy that we forget what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to make disciples of people. He's calling us to glorify Him in everything we do. Don't get so wrapped up in what you can produce and make and these things that you can show to the Lord and forget what he's actually calling you to. They wanted to make bricks. Second thing, they said, let's make a city and a tower. And there was the reason they wanted to make a city and a tower because we don't want to disperse. We don't want to fill the earth. We want to stay together. We want to be safe. We want to show our own power. Uh, we want to be the stars of our kingdom. It's a big world out there, and if we're all together, man, we can show how strong and powerful we are. They wanted to be the stars of their own kingdom and story. What they're trying to build, most commentaries uh, believe it's uh, something like you see in the picture up there. It's called a ziggurat. 
uh, a ziggurat. Uh, there's lots of different ways you can do it, but usually it's in stair-step fashion, almost like a pyramid. Uh, they build these things together, trying to get as high as they can, and on the very top, they would put an altar to a, to a god. It was a worshipful, uh, like church-like thing that they were trying to build up to get to God, to get closer to God by the works that they could do. It, really, this ziggurat, this tower, this city was really a symbol of their pride. Look what we did. And the unfortunate thing is that God has already made the mountains. There was already a way to go up and worship the Lord on an altar. The mountains were all over, but now in this plain, these people are like, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build this tower. So they make a tower in a city not to disperse, to stay together, uh, when they could have very easily just humbled themselves and gone up mountains that were all around them. They make bricks, let us make a city and a tower, and the third thing, let us make a name for ourselves. They wanted the glory. They wanted people to talk about them. Look how good I am. I think talking with somebody from Babel would have been just exhausting because everything they would have ever said is I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my. It's all about them. I want the glory. They would have said, Slava Babel! Glory to Babel. Glory to humanity. We can make our way to God. Look how good we are. When I was reading this, I was like, you know, nothing's really changed, has it? Humanity just repeats itself over and over and over again. Uh, we get distracted with the things around us, how productive we can be, what we can make and do. We like to say safe. And I just want to say, uh, it's courageous for you, if you are new here this morning, it's a courageous step to summon, step into somewhere new where you don't know. And it's actually much easier in a bigger church because you can kind of hide. Here it's like a fishbowl. <laughs> So we know you're new, and this is just a side. So I told people this before. When I was down south, we, we visited a church, and they said, if you're new, would you please stand up and let us know who you are and why you're here? Uh, we won't do that, because it was super uncomfortable when we had to do it. <laughs> but we're, uh, there's, there's some courageousness of stepping into something that maybe God's calling you to, and, and to somewhere new, and to be vulnerable and exposed. But how often do we... Uh, not want to do that. We want to stay safe. We want to stay comfortable. We want to stay together. We want to show our own power. We, we want to actually go after our own glory instead of giving glory to God. Slava Bogu? Slava Bogu. Now stay with me because as humanity is working really hard in this plane to make their way up to God, God is patiently watching all this unfold below him. And it's actually funny. As humans uh, go up, they're trying to get as high as they can. It says that, that God actually is watching it and then he comes down. He, it's like God gets on his knees with a magnifying glass looking at their really impressive tower and goes, oh, there it is. Uh, yeah. He sees how they've exchanged the glory of God for their, for their own glory. And then he just sees how sin is just exploding on the world. There's like no end to the evil that they can do. So he says in verse 7, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language or their lips. Once what brought them together, how they could communicate, now they can't, they can't understand each other. 
Once they didn't see a need for God. We can do it ourselves. We're strong. We're powerful. Uh, but God in his graciousness and his humility comes down and gives them a gift. You're not going to be as evil as you could be. Have you ever been in a foreign language before, or a foreign country before where they, you don't speak the language? I have many times. And you, if, you know, if you've been there, you know how it feels, or you can imagine how it feels. You step off the airplane, go into, and you don't know, you can't read anything, you, you don't know where to go, you can't even order your own food, you're asking people for, for help, and if, does anyone speak the language I speak? Because I'm completely helpless. I'm like a kid uh, again. Now imagine if you're working on this tower, the city of Babel. And there's a guy next to you, you know, been in the office next to you for 10 years. You know, you've shared life together. You both shared struggles with your marriage or kids growing up. And you work just great together. And you ask him, hey, can you hand me that hammer? And he replies, so? Tuk tish? You're like, the hammer, just give me the hammer. He's like, nevim kaireches. And you're like, okay, what, what's going on? You know what I want. Uh, just, just give me the, ha the hammer. I know this guy. He knows me. Why, why are we not communicating? And, and then all the feel, feeling like, do I know this guy? There's like this division that happens, a frustration, a misunderstanding, and a humbling. A humbling and the dispersion of languages and the mixing them up means that you don't know everything. It's, it's just uh, obvious. When you go to a different foreign language and you go over there, it just humbles you. I don't know. I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to do this. That's the place of Babel. Now, the place is called uh, Babel. We say the Tower of, of Babel. Uh, but it's actually the Hebrew word, and every other place it's translated is translated Babylon. Uh, this is the origin story of that wicked city that you see later on in the, in the Bible, uh, where Israel, or Israel, like, they rebel against the Lord, and so they're sent into exile into Babylon. Uh, this is the origin story of that. It's actually cousins that are fighting together and don't get along and can't communicate together. Uh, Babel uh, is translated that way because our interpreters want to try and help us uh, see the wordplay going on there. So... It was called Babel because there the Lord confused, and the word in Hebrew is Balal. So Babel, Balal, it's not as strong in English, but they're trying to, to show you, that's why we call it Babel, because the Lord confused their languages there. And from there, he dispersed everyone. The, the, the idea is this dispersion is like an overflowing of something. It's like the old volcanoes, remember, that you'd shoot, and then it would run down. Uh, through a thing. That's what's happening to all the people as they dispersing the people and the languages because of this frustration and misunderstanding, this isolation, this division. But even in this brokenness, even, even we're not very far into the story, even we see, oh, the, the people have just messed it up again. Is that it? Is it over? What's, a, what's a God's promises? But we see God working even in the brokenness, he's working to bring about his glory, which is actually for our good. His glory for our good. He actually has a better plan for humanity. If they would just humble themselves and repent and glorify God. Slava Bogu. You want to say it? Slava Bogu. He's going to reestablish the mission for his people. He's going to send them out to fill the earth. He's going to bring glory to God and they'll find their own, their own goodness. 
See, this is a really a gift from God. He doesn't let them go off in their selfish ways to the very end of destruction and isolation. But he humbly intervenes. He took what man intended for evil, for their own glory, and gives them a gift to humble themselves so they can find their good in God's glory. So people were scattered, and we wonder, what, 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 would ha- what became of the seed of the woman that was going to crush the serpent's head? Is all hope lost now? We're only 11 chapters in. Is this it? How can, how can anything good come from this? Well, here's the good news. A genealogy. We love genealogies. And if you look right after this, the next section, we won't read it, but it's actually a genealogy, and this genealogy gives us hope. This genealogy is placed in the narrative at this exact place to uh, tell us that there is a seed that's being traced and followed. That God, even though the people have all dispersed, there is still one person that God's like, I'm going to I'm going to bless the world as stubborn as they are in their wickedness. I'm, I'm even, even more gracious to overcome that. I'm going to bless the world through this seed. And so we get this, we get this genealogy uh, that goes from Noah's son Shem, which ne- means name. His name means name. You named your son name. Which, but it's that we're going to make our, our name great, but then here comes this name. There's a whole play on words there. So we follow this lineage of the name uh, down from the name uh, down to a man named Abram. And, and if, you, if you read them, it's ten generations. And if you know the story really well, like in Hebrew, uh, you would see that Genesis 5 and the genealogy of Genesis 5, which is uh, Adam to Noah, is ten generations. And now we have Genesis 11, and we go Shem, the name, down to Abram, uh, ten generations. And we see them placing these generations over each other so that we see the hope of, is Abram going to be this new Noah? Is God going to rescue humanity through this man and his family? They lay it together. When all seems lost, God is actually at work to bring about his glory and our good. You know, I did some, a little bit of research. They say there's about 6,500 languages spoken in the world. There's probably... How many times more dialects? But 6,500 languages spoken in the world. Uh, do you know what you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. Someone who speaks two languages? Someone who speaks one language? American. Is there, does, everyone, does everyone know that? Three languages, trilingual. Two languages, bilingual. What do you call someone who speaks one language? American. Yeah, well... There's a, there's a little bit of that uh, truth there. Uh, you know, each person at birth and the place that you live usually has like a heart language. Now for us, it's almost all English, I would say. Maybe it's, maybe it's not for you, but, but there's a heart language. There's a, there's a gift in that language that we're able to communicate to other people. Like I'm speaking now and you understand because, oh, I know English. Uh, but it's also a limitation because the vocabulary and what we can say in our culture and languages, it has a limit to it. I can't express to you things that I can express in another language, probably. In 6,500 languages, how many heart languages are out there? These, uh, these other languages that express someone's heart and their being. You know, early on, I was able to go to the Czech Republic in my 20s, and I picked up Czech. It was really a, a gift from God. I was around a bunch of people that only spoke Czech, so I had to learn Czech. And when I first met uh, Amy and came over here, it was amazing the first couple years that we were here in Portland that we'd be walking by someone and I would hear someone speak Czech. 
You know, and I would be like, uh, Amy could tell you, and I'd be like, oh, wait a minute. And I would go right to them, hey, Auguste. Yes, and Belil, na Havishavie. And we'd start talking, and it's like, I knew, th I know them. I know them. They know me. Like, all of a sudden, we could share this something because we both spoke a similar uh, language. There's, there's a phrase in Czech that says, Kolik jezik umíš, že kolik člověk si. Which means, how many languages you know, but even that, it's like the know-how. It's like this person, I can't even explain it. Like, umíš, like to know how to do something. How many languages you know how to do is how many people you are. The, the idea is that with each uh, language you speak, you, you express something a little bit different in who you are. There's the, the prison of the vocabulary of your language all of a sudden gets ex, ex, like explo, like exploded more and bigger, and you can use more. And think of 6,500 languages. 6,500 gifts given to people to express and communicate and, and, and connect with other people, and also 6,500 uh, limitations or, or prisons in what you can actually say. Can you imagine what it would be like if all those gifts of languages were united? When you hear the word that someone says, and all of a sudden you understand and your heart sings in just a little bit different way, because oh, like, oh, I know them, I've experienced that. To be known and to know someone when all the languages become heart languages for you. And then we'll say, Slava Bogu. Slava Bogu. Well, we actually get a glimpse of this in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Uh, Pentecost. People from all over the place were all together. The Spirit comes down, uh, and the believers, it's really the undoing of the Tower of Babel is undone. Uh, and if you read this, you'll notice that he doesn't get rid of languages. It's not like the languages are a bad thing. He actually uses all those languages and those limitations for God's glory. Let me, let me read Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together, and at, the, and at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Gentiles? How is it then that we hear each of us in our own native language, our own heart language, as they hear all these languages together, and all of a sudden their glimpse and their view of God is so much bigger, and they go, Ah, oh, we're united, glorifying God. When God is glorified, it brings healing, wholeness, mission, completeness. It's everything. Glorifying God is for our good. People from every tongue, tribe, and nation. What actually is a gift that limits us from being as evil as we could will one day be this kaleidoscope that we get to experience as we give glory to God. Revelation 7 verse 9 says this, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, 
standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, singular. Thousands of languages all speaking together, and it's unified. This one voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Slava Bogu. All languages praising God. The fullness of communication. The fullness of being known and to know. You know, we live in the world where we, we see people and nations wanting their own glory, and we see the destruction and the heartache, the isolation, the confusion that results in that. But when we humbly seek God's glory, when we humbly say, okay, God, the glory belongs to you, that's actually the starting point of, of finding our mission, our meaning, our wholeness, our good, to be fully loved. So this ends the sermon with this question then. It begs to be answered. Whose glory are you seeking? When you say Slava, what's the next word that you say? Slava me? Slava Hollywood? Slava my job, my career? Slava what? What name are you trying to make famous? To be a star in your own little story? Or, or to humbly give glory to God and, and find your goodness there. A God who can take what men intend for evil and use it for good. You know, I've been thinking this last week. Uh, we lived over in Eastern Europe, so we still have a lot of friends over there. Uh, and you see the destruction evil of what it means for Putin, a man, to go, I want glory to return to Russia. And what he's intending for evil... Uh, God is using for his good and his glory. Uh, there, we get reports every day of churches opening up their doors, just like uh, Holly, uh, Holly View, and putting mattresses on and people coming. Uh, in Poland, in Slovakia, in Moldova, in Romania, uh, lang different languages, praising the Lord in that place and having Ukrainians come into their house of worship. Uh, we see these videos of them all worshiping the Lord together, and I'm like, oh, that's just a little glimpse of the beauty that God's going to do when we truly glorify Him. So for us now, as we enter into a time of worship, will you use your language, your gift to worship God? Will you humbly live for Christ today and the next hour and this week? Giving God glory and you'll find your, your good to be known and be in community with one another to be accepted. Let me pray and have the worship team come back up. Lord, we do want to pray for the believers um, in Russia who are feeling the pain of what their government is doing and having to stand up and be brave. I want to pray for... Um, people in Ukraine who have lost everything. Lord, would you um, work for their good in this horrible situation? Lord, would you strengthen the churches in uh, Poland and Czech and Slovakia and Hungary and Moldova and Romania? Would you allow them to see your glory better than they've ever seen it before? Would you unify them 
would you allow this gift of languages to not uh, go towards the end of evil, but that it would give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.